Hey, it's Alicia here. Before we get started today, I'm going to tell you about my book. This is my podcast, and I get to do what I want to do. <laughs> yes. So guess what? My book was published this week. It's called The Purpose of Power, How We Come Together When We Fall Apart. It's a culmination of my nearly 20 years of organizing. Plus, it's about how we have staying power, what we need to do to change ourselves so that we can change the world around us. So you know you need this in your life. Just so you know, this is not a BLM book, but it's a book that includes BLM and my experiences from other campaigns and movements. You can find this book at all the retailers, but, but, but I am sure an independent bookstore would love your business. And if you're in Oakland, go ahead and get your copy at the oldest black bookstore in the country, Marcus Books. Say hey to Miss Blanche for me. And now on with the show. The following is a quarantine recording presented to you in a round sound. It was recorded with whatever was lying around. Lady don't take no shit, insist on respect the sister, walk around like a woman is. She won't speak, less it's something worse saying don't play. The girl take herself so seriously, people stare curiously. She got a natural way, her hips sway furiously. Yeah, the luxurious thing, carries herself like the cutest, most prettiest thing you see this side of the bay. Hey, this is Lady Don't Take No, your weekly roundup of all of the real and none of the fake. I'm your host, Alicia Garza. This show is pro-Black, pro-queer, proudly feminist, and pro-do-what-you-like. Every week, you're going to get the best of what goes on in my head, what we're loving on, and what we hating on, what we might be, and what we ain't going to do. Politics, pop culture, the purpose of power, and how we come together when we fall apart, we cover it all. We are recording from Oakland, California, Obvi, the center of the known universe, where we are dealing with Rona and rebellion. It's a challenging time, a changing time. It's a time of transformation. It's all the things all the time nowadays. But we're going to help you understand the dynamics of this time every single week. So be sure to tune in, tell a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We do it for the culture, so the pod is free 99 because we know that with a country in chaos, the least we can do is keep you from putting your money anywhere else than where it's needed. Now the activist is sharing lessons on how to bring people together and create change. And her new book is called The Purpose of Power, How We Come Together When We Fall Apart. Our guest this week is an award-winning, and I mean award-winning, y'all, y'all be sleep an award-winning organizer, <laughs> a social innovator, and a leading voice in the women's movement. She is the executive director of the National Domestic Workers Alliance, where I am so proud to work. Yes. The director of Caring Across Generations and the co-founder of Supermajority. She is the author of the celebrated book, The Age of Dignity, Preparing for the Elder Boom in a Changing America. She's also my homegirl, y'all. My homegirl! Okay, let me break it down like this. We host a podcast. It's called Sunstorm. Welcome to Sunstorm, where we get real about what's happening in the world. It's fucking dope. She's an inspiration, and she's one of my favoriteest people in the entire world. Please, 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 welcome to the little pod that could, iGen Poo. I love that intro. That's like my favorite intro ever. Yes, yes, yes. 
Yes, yes, I've yes, yes. I've always wanted to be on this pod. I'm so oh. excited. Well, I have always wanted you on this pod, but you know, timing is everything, and this is the perfect time. Always. So, <laughs> speaking of time, child, so you know what time it is. It's the time of Miss Rona, and she is running us ragged, Rona. You are running us ragged. So I got to ask. What has your quarantine life been like? And have you developed any unique habits live and direct from Miss Rona? My superstitions have gone berserk. <laughs> I am superstitious about everything because I'm just in this house all day long. And like, oh no, the clock says 1111 again. <laughs> better not look back at it until 1112. And oh. <laughs> I just, I don't know, my superstitions are going crazy right now. What else have I done? I have been, I have been in the backyard observing the Mexican marigolds that are growing. Mm. And it is amazing to me how they have just been blooming through the entire spring, summer, and now in the fall, they're still in full bloom. Oh, I love that. Yeah, they just don't give up. And it's like a symbol. They're not going to give up till the election, and we're not going to give up either. They're going to keep blooming and keep fighting, and I'm just like, I'm going to be, I'm going to channel my inner Mexican marigold. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, first of all, first of all, I just have to say, that is probably the best answer we've gotten on the podcast thus far, and we have had many, many episodes. This superstitions thing actually just sent me into a whole universe, because I, too, I'm very superstitious, and my superstitions have been going crazy. Right? So I have a thing about leaving lights on. Yes, I have that one, too. I have the thing about, um, because we're in like a late summer in the Bay, so I have a thing about spiders and moths, which are plentiful right now because the weather (laughs) is so weird. So yesterday, I found myself taking a spider out of my kitchen in a cup and like scooping it in with like a little paper towel very delicately (laughs) and placing it outside. And the superstition here is that when you find insects in your home, that they're ancestors. And so you're not actually supposed to kill them. You're supposed to guide them back out to where they're supposed to go. So I have all the things. But you know what superstition I don't have? What's that? Wearing white after Labor Day. Pish! I wear white all the time. Me too. I didn't even know that was a thing. (laughs) Yeah, you're just like not supposed to do it or something, but whatever. You can't tell us what to do. (laughs) So I did, I mean, shit. We were um, just a few months ago baking bread and planting gardens and doing all kinds of like homesteader type stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, yes. we, we were like, for show, we were out here on the prairie child. We were like, it's the end of days. So let me ask you, <laughs> are there any new skills that you are developing during the Rona? Mm. I think I'm getting slightly better at working with ingredients while I'm cooking. Because I've just been cooking constantly. Ooh. We didn't feel good about ordering food in for yeah, delivery. The Rona. Yeah, the Rona kind of freaked me out and it still does freak me out. I still don't order very much takeout. So I've been cooking constantly and I've been so inspired actually by your Instagram feed. On weekends, your brunch meals are insane. I'm serious about my brunch. You just go all the way in. It's crazy. And (laughs) Rashad, too. Um, So y'all just kind of like set a high bar for me. But I have the New York Times cooking app and a couple other cooking apps. And I've just, because I'm doing it so much, I'm getting better at like, 
if I threw a little butter in here, or if I put a little vermouth in there, yeah, and I put a little, a little vermouth, yes, you know? yes. yeah. So oh, I'm I learning. Love I love that so much. And first of all, New York Times cooking app, hands down, so good because they get seasonal with it. You know what I'm saying? So. I get this little CSA box and I have stuff in there. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And what am I supposed to do with this? And then I go to the New York Times cooking app and it's like all recipes rutabaga. And I'm like, great, because <laughs> I didn't know rutabaga. how to cook this thing. It was a random example, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> You know, there's this little thing coming up. It's called an election. We're about two weeks away. Somebody today said two Tuesdays, and I literally almost <gasps> had a stroke. Yeah, I almost had a stroke. I was like, can you not do that? Um, so, Oh, my God. My <laughs> heart just took a right? leap inside my chest. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We're two Tuesdays away. Oof. I just got to ask, like, how are you holding up? And what are you worried about? And what's giving you hope? Mm. So I really am, I'm get, I have a lot of anxiety, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. I wake up feeling anxious because of everything that's at stake. And every day I think about 10 million things that I care about that are on the line. People and what they're struggling with, people who can't get access to healthcare, people who will definitely be targeted in crazy immigration raids, all the things. And it's really, it's really scary. And also just see people getting so passionate and fired up about voting. And it's amazing. People, all kinds of people with their kids, with their dogs, with their, um, there's that amazing TikTok with the woman who um, pulled up her chair and yes. had like food in every pocket in the chair and she was just ready. And the fire and energy and excitement around voting is something that is, it's like an injection of, it's like a, a steroid, but in a good way for our Mm -hmm. democracy. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, we won't, we won't undo that. Like people get why voting matters right now in such a deep way. It's so embodied. And I just feel like we're not going to undo that. So that's just, that's just the thing now. And we just have to keep building that sense of the fact that our democracy is a verb <laughs> you know it's a thing that we have yeah. to do yeah um and and make real and so that's what gives me hope no matter what happens which i'm still very hopeful that everything will go our way but you know in the long arc of things in order for us to truly realize our dreams for this country like we we do need democracy to be a verb like permanently for everyone that's right. It's like the TikTok of democracy. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I feel like to TikTok is a verb. <laughs> That's right. That's a new verb. You know, so it's like we need we need democracy to TikTok. Yeah. Ooh. Boom boom boom. <laughs> so, I got a chance today because we're having you on the pod to really reflect on how long we've been in this thing together. Mm -hmm. 
And I was thinking about all the questions I wanted to ask you because we know each other pretty well. So I was like, well, shit, what am I going to ask that's podcast appropriate, even though my pod is inappropriate in all the appropriate ways? And I was <laughs> like, what am I going to ask her that I want to share with other people? And the first thing that came to my mind, actually, is that one of the things I have always, always, always admired about you is that you are a brilliant strategist. And for those people who are listening, who's like, what is a strategy? Okay, a strategy in organizing is basically a plan to win the changes that you want. And one of the things that you have always embedded in strategy, iGen, and unabashedly, and people clowned you about this. They were like, why are you talking about this? But one of the things that you have always included in strategy is love. And I'm serious, y'all listening, people like, that's so sweet. But no, people were um, in their feelings about the shit. Like, Why are you talking about love? It's not love, it's power, whatever. Okay, so one of my first introductions to you, to your writing, I should say, and your way of thinking was a piece that you wrote about the win of a domestic worker bill of rights in New York State. You had been campaigning for nine years? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Seven years. Okay. Seven years, nine years, same shit. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. just yeah. yeah. Seven years. Actually, seven is a is a really interesting number. And you wrote a whole summation of the campaign. And I believe the title of it was something like Organizing with Love. That's right. And you described organizing, and I might be getting this metaphor wrong, but you'll correct me, as a love affair. Mm-hmm. So my question for you is... What role does love play in our movements? And what role could it play if we would just allow it? Mm. Dang, that's a good question. I save them for you, You should have a podcast (laughs) or two. (laughs) So the thing about organizing with love, that whole framework and why that became my meditation after fighting for a Bill of Rights for domestic workers for seven years is because anyone who's ever been a part of a campaign knows that they can be these incredible containers for change. And they change you. And I compare a great campaign to a great love affair Mm. because love affairs are these funny things where you're like, your life is so full and you're so busy, you don't have another minute in the day to do anything. And then all of a sudden you fall in love and you have time to like text for an hour (laughs) and go for long walks and make dinner and go to the movies. And like all of a sudden time and space expands and there's just like room. There's room in your heart, there's room in your life and it changes you. Right? right, and you like see things a little bit differently, and that's what happens in a great campaign mm. when you're organizing and you're in motion and you're with people moving towards the same goal. Like you can see something and feel something, and you're going through this process together. You can be like opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of what kind of people you are, what personalities or what your background. You come into a campaign and you're in it together and you're in it to win something very clear that you really believe in. And something just changes in you. And mm. and it's not like this dramatic thing. It happens over time. 
And it is something that is, it's like love, you know, it's like how love transforms people and in all of the good ways, (laughs) you know, the ways that like you learn how to like be your best self and you are confronted with your worst self and you understand what's at stake when you're acting bad <laughs> in right. a different way and right. you know all those things and that's that's what great organizing is about is and great campaigning is is about a container for transformation not just of the world but of you So how would this moment change if we allowed love to shape this moment and our organizing and our fight backs and our campaigns? Like, what if we were just unabashed about love? What might that look like right now? Well, people think love like care as, and it's really gendered in pretty whack ways. People think it's like the soft thing. For sure. Um, and that it there's people dismiss it as irrational and emotional as opposed to really wise and patient and powerful. And I do believe, and this is going to sound a little bit like a cliche, but I do think that love is the most powerful force for change in the world. If you think about what you would do, who you would face down, and what you would do for the people you love, that ferocity is what has the potential to, it just kind of brings everything into relief and focus. And I think that if we fought for the change that we want to see, the future that our values, our vision for the kind of policies that we deserve, the kind of change we deserve, the kind of leaders we deserve, that if we brought that same kind of focus, but also kind of wholeness to that work, it would be unstoppable. And what gets in the way is, I think, the resentments and the ego and the fear. It's so weird how we are like, we want change and then we're afraid of it too. Oh, <laughs> you know, that and, hit me in my chest. Yes. And love can be so grounding mm-hmm. when you're afraid of something. That's right. That's you know? right. Including falling in love. Yes. <laughs> totally. You know, like actually, as you were talking, I was sitting here and I was like, oh, yeah, ego, you know, resentments fear, all of those things get in the way of great relationships. That's right. They're like the things that breakups are made of, right? So even if you were just like to think about it on a very practical level, if love was more present and we made more space for it and less space for the turf battles or the ego things and the, you know, holding on to shit and not just like resolving it. Yeah. Our power would change too. It really would. I really believe that. I think our power would be unstoppable if we were grounded in that way and focused in that way. Absolutely. And I mean, shit, look at this administration leading from ego, 
resentment, fear, fear. Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? I mean, we already see it in real time. And in fact, you know, I, I saw a thing today from the incredible Will I Am from Black Eyed Peas and Jennifer Hudson, who we all love. My favorite role of hers, by the way, is the one she played in Sex and the City. We'll come back to that. Oh, oh, it's so good. But at the end of this video that they did graciously for the Biden campaign, it says vote love. And I think five months ago, that wouldn't have like hit me in my chest the way that it did today. Like I was like, yeah, that is the answer. It is the answer because everything we have around us right now is not that. But it could be. It could be if we committed to it. Just like a relationship. Okay, we done kick that metaphor to death. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much there, though. I think we could talk about that for hours. We could do a whole podcast on the role of love and change. And we probably should. I think we should. Ding, ding, ding. Good answers. Good answers. And hopefully that will be a perfectly placed one for post-election when we win a mandate for change. Um, I'm going to speak it into existence from my when lips we sweep, to God's ears. When we That's sweep right. in a tsunami That's for change. Right. That's right. That's right. Ashe. You have been working, organizing, campaigning, loving, fighting, getting business done for a long time. And I can personally attest to the fact that you are a complete soldier. Like when it comes to leading with complete clarity in the midst of the unknown, you totally make it easy. And I also know from having worked with you for many years and from having done this work alongside you, the shit is hard. It's It's hard. hard. It's hard. And I feel like we just need to keep saying that because people be like, oh, y'all think you cute. It looks so easy. No, it's not fucking easy, but we're just putting in the work. So let me ask, because I like to pull back the curtains in this pod. Was there ever a time in your life as the boss that you are where you thought love was not possible? And tell us about it. And how did you move through it? You know, I've been through lots of, not lots, but I would say like a few seminal moments where where I was deeply, deeply injured by how people treated each other and treated me in in the work, in the context of the work. And yeah, I think I've like internalized it in a way. It, it was definitely traumatizing, you know, where you have this idea that you're going to go into a movement or you're going to go into an organization and you're trying to change the world. You're trying to do good stuff. You're trying to, and your and your values are about care and dignity and respect. And and what's hard is at the end of the day, organizing is is just about people coming together. That's right. And the process of people becoming more powerful together than we are alone requires that all people do all kinds of work individually and then a whole bunch of work has to happen collectively. And it's something you learn along the way of like what you have to do collectively to create spaces that are safe, that are healthy 
that are nurturing, that can sustain people, it's not intuitive. It's not like you start organizing or you become an activist and like, you know, you everything is clear. Like you kind of have to just figure it out along the way. And I think in my 20s and then in my early 30s, I went through some rounds of learning the hard way mm. about the work that I need to do to be strong and to sustain and to like maintain my sense of love for the work and myself and the people I do the work with. Um, And that you have to put some systems and structures and processes in place to support people, all of us coming together in ways that are healthy and that prevent the nasty stuff from happening. That's part of just being human. I think, you know, that's right. I'm wondering, you mentioned that you learned the hard way, right? How that had to happen. If you could give just getting started, trying to take down the system, iGen, some advice from grown woman, been in this business and still trying to take the shit out, iGen. <laughs> what is the advice that you would give? Um, I would say to learn to do what you need to do, to learn how to engage in courageous conversations mm. and um, and constructive debate that is healthy and respectful and humane. Mm. And that is like, you know, that is a really hard <laughs> thing to do. And Facts. I, if it could be that you need yoga or Zumba or Peloton or therapy or any number of things That's right. to help you figure that coaching, but like mentorship, I don't know what, but I do think that there's a key piece there where we have to learn how to have the conversations about where we disagree and why proactively mm-hmm. and and incredibly respectfully. And it's an art and a science and part of it is is it like emotional intelligence and just, you know, being a grown up and part of it is like a skill that you learn. Mm. you say to that question? <laughs> yep. I would say, um, I would say deal with your cynicism. Mm. I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, and I write about it in the book about how I used to be deeply cynical. And I actually, I think I learned this from you, Aijin, not the cynicism part, but the, how to like break through that, you know, for a long time, as an organizer, I was really just focused on dismantling bad things, really focused. I was like, I just want to tear down everything. And it's because I was so angry about how unfair and unjust and just fucking wrong um, things are arranged and how permanent it feels, right? So in some ways, it was like the victory felt like it was just getting rid of the shit. Yeah. And I think 
what I've been challenged to do is to clearly articulate what is the thing that you want in its place? Because that's actually what motivates people over the long term. It's what motivated me. I mean, being cynical and terror downy all the time actually is exhausting. It is. And it becomes hard to access joy in a really interesting way. Like I was realizing I couldn't have conversations with people that didn't feel doom and gloom. And it's because that's what I was bringing to the shit. I was just like tearing apart everything. And that's good energy to have in context. And so I would say my big lesson, the thing I would say to baby Alicia is deal with your cynicism. Because at the end of the day, what gets you out of bed, what gets me out of bed is being so in love with the vision that I have. And connecting to why I do a thing is really also connecting to the what we're trying to put in this in its place. Yeah. And if that's not driving me, um, it's really hard to see where you're going. And it's hard to see if you're getting close and it feels like you're running on a hamster wheel. And it is this really interesting thing where learning how to build things also has its own joy. That's right. Because you can tear stuff down, but it's not the kind of thing that you look back on and you're like, it's hard to account for what, you know, what that really resulted in. But when you build something, even if the next generation or the next leader or the next organizer comes in and changes it, you've built something that you can point to and that feels real. And, um, and it's a, it's a, it's hard. Really you know, hard. Tearing stuff down is hard and building stuff is super hard and it takes a really long time, especially if you're building stuff to last. But when you build a solution and you can point to it, it's so freaking satisfying. It's amazing. That's absolutely right. And I'm realizing too, earlier in this conversation, you said love and how people see it is so gendered. And I think solutions are too. Totally. And alternatives are yes. too, right? And so I used to be in an organization where every single time you would point out something that needed to be addressed, it would be like you couldn't say it unless you had a solution, which I was like, what the fuck? So then if you don't have the solution, you can't raise what's wrong, which is like totally no. gendered in the weirdest way. So Totally. So weird. I think there's something in there, too, about part of the dealing with your cynicism is also giving yourself grace around allowing a thing that you long for and that you can, like, imagine in your mind, but you can't quite touch it, like giving yourself enough grace to be patient enough to watch a thing grow and keep watering it even if you don't see a leaf yet. Um, not to go too deep on the garden metaphors, but there have been so many things that in my mind took me years to like bring into focus. But once the shit clicked, it was like, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the only way to do that, right, is to give yourself grace in the unknown 
while also fighting back against the way that cynicism can creep in and make you completely inactive. Yep. And just like that, it's time for our weekly roundup of all the things Lady Just Ain't Gonna Do This Week. Number one, more Black celebrities being random as fuck before Election Day. Apparently, this week, 50 Cent came out and encouraged his followers to vote for Trump on the premise that Biden plans to raise taxes on people making more than $400,000 a year. Now, 50 Cent has the right to say whatever he want to say and do whatever he want to do. But most of the people he makes money off of don't make more than $400,000 a year. In fact, that's true for most of the country. So let's not act like 50 Cent is working to make Black people powerful. He's really looking out for himself here. The thing I keep coming back to is this. At least Puff is using his platform to elevate the work of folks like my brother, former vice mayor of Charlottesville, Wes Bellamy, and the work he's doing on our Black Party. I mean, some of these folks are inserting themselves in conversations and work they have no staying power in. And also, it's just not their lane. Going down the YouTube rabbit hole doesn't count. So this week, Lady Don't Like No Johnny Come Lately. Join something that's already happening, especially if you're not filling any gaps and certainly not building any bridges. And for the long haul, we need celebrities to be deeply connected to, learning from, and helping to shape movements, not trying to start their own completely out of context. Mr. Harry Belafonte taught us all of that. Next thing lady just cannot deal with this week, I would be remiss if I did not talk about a little problem we've been seeing a lot of this week. Men exposing themselves in the most unexciting ways. This week, Jeffrey Tubin, legal analyst, exposed himself on a call with his colleagues from The New Yorker, apparently accidentally. He says he thought the camera was down when he was caught masturbating during a staff meeting. The most hilarious part of this whole story is that according to most accounts, no one said anything while it was happening. I I just don't understand how you, for a good 15 minutes, watch somebody yank their wang in a staff meeting and you fucking don't say anything. In fact, you just keep on going as if nothing is going on. I mean, (laughs) I can't tell this story without laughing because it's fucking ridiculous. Okay, so... Rudy Giuliani, also this week, was caught in a sting of sorts. It actually... Okay, wait a minute. Let me do this again. Also this week, Rudy Giuliani was caught in a sting of sorts as he played with himself in front of what he thought was a young reporter, but who actually turned out to be an actress who was filming a movie. I mean, this is a whole ass mess, but I'll tell you what. All this gave me... A lot of good cackles this week. Several cackles. Because one, Zoom dick trended on Twitter, and so did Me Too Bin. There's analysis to be had here, and I'm going to give it to you at some other point. But for now, suffice it to say, please, for the love of God, wait until you're off Zoom to pleasure yourself. (laughs) 
I okay. Woo, Lord, here we go. <laughs> Here's what we want more of this week, though. Number one, book releases. That's right. Yours truly put out a book this week called The Purpose of Power, How We Come Together When We Fall Apart. I had an opportunity with this book to offer lessons from nearly 20 years of organizing and movement building, while also pointing toward the future. It is not a BLM book. I repeat, it is not a BLM book. So don't go running around talking about BLM thinks this and BLM thinks that because you would be loud and wrong and you know how Lady feels about that. But it is a book that takes my experiences from various campaigns and movements including, but not limited to, BLM, to demystify what the offline organizing looks like and what it needs outside of social media, hashtags, and all that. And the point is to inspire us to change ourselves as a part of the path towards changing the world around us and to clarify what it is that we're fighting for and what we need in order to be successful. It is available everywhere you get your books, but also, I am quite sure that an independent bookstore would love, love, love your business, and you'd be doing the local economy some real good. So if you're in Oakland, go ahead and get your copy at the oldest black bookstore in the country, Marcus Books. And when you do, say hey to Miss Blanche for me. Other things that Lady loves this week, Obvi, the season finale of Lovecraft Country, was absolutely brilliant. I mean, it was brilliant. And I'm still processing everything that I saw. And now I feel like I want to go back and watch the entire season over again, but watch it back to back like a movie so I can just absorb the story even more. Other things Lady is in love with this week is that I'm just grateful that there's going to be no more presidential debates this season. Lady watched the debates this week, and I just have to say... It was better than the last one in the sense that there wasn't a bunch of yelling and screaming and it felt like there was at least a little bit of clarity. But as per usual, your president lied his ass off for a good hour and a half and Biden, well, he did his best. I'm just glad there's not going to be any more debates this season. But if we work hard, we will see presidential debates every four years. You see what I did there? Run that back again in case you missed what I said. I, Jen, I don't want it to come to a close, but lucky for me, I know you. And for all the people who are listening who don't, too bad for you, but you got a little taste. <laughs> Tell the folks who are listening right now how they can reach you on the socials. And before you do... Let me just say, I have had guests who were like, you cannot reach me on the socials because that is not how I want to be reached. And I respect it. So don't put your shit out there if you don't want people to reach you. But if you do, how can people find you or follow you on the socials? I would love for people to follow me and find me on the socials. I'm at iGenPoo on Twitter. Nice. And at iGenP on Instagram. Hey. And you can also follow our amazing pod at Sunstorm Pod. Um, if you want a little bit more iGen Alicia action. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you so much for having me. Thank I love you so you. much I love for talking coming to you. On. Oh my god. This is so fun.
And that's it for Lady Don't Take No. But I'll be back here every single Friday morning to accompany you where you used to have a commute. We appreciate you joining us and let's keep the conversation going. Tell us what's on your mind. Tell us what you like and tell us what you just ain't gonna take no more of. On Twitter, we're at Lady Take. On Insta, we're at Lady Don't Take No Pod. We're also on Facebook at Lady Don't Take No Podcast by Alicia Garza. We post ways to do something about the things you hear about on this show all over our social media. So if we got you amped up today, check out the socials to find out how you can take action. Please subscribe and write us a review and let the people know what you've heard here today. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our incredible theme is Bilaterix. And this pod is supported by the Black Futures Lab. I'm your host, Alicia Garza. Remember, keep your hands out your pants. But if you see somebody yanking their wang, say something if you see something. Don't just keep going with the meeting. We're terrified that Lovecraft Country is over, but we're happy that presidential debates are done for now. But also, remember that if we do our work correctly, we will still see presidential debates every four years. That's right. I said it. Because lady don't take no. Lady don't take no. She insists on respect the sister. Walk around like a woman is. She won't speak less of something worse. Saying don't play. The girl take herself so serious. People stare curious. She's got a natural way. Her hips way furious. Never luxurious. Love y'all.